始めHello Legionaries, this is General Lance, and we're here starting a new uh, section. Got sick and tired of reading all this bullshit on the news and media, it's all controlled, whether you're you know, in China, Russia, or the United States or in the West. And so I decided here with my friend, Model Citizen, to talk about basically you know, things that are happening as they happen in the world with uh, on the ground, eyes on information about it, perspectives, and discussions, which should basically round out your perspective and you can see through the propaganda. But without further ado, how are you doing, Model Citizen? How are you doing, brother? Good morning, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> no problem, I just want to say I love your content, what you've been doing. It's, mm -hmm. been, it's been really interesting listening to your podcasts. Thank you for well, having me on. Dude, of course, and I, I love. Uh, so, for those of you that don't know, uh, me and Citizen have been like uh, friends for a very, very long time now. Um, but he does do uh, translations of Russian media, which is uh, suppressed by uh, Western media, um, and basically from the perspective of, of Russians and. You know, he speaks Russian and reads in Russian, and so, like, that's the major barrier for American and English speakers is that they don't they don't have any exposure to Russian itself, and so it's so difficult to kind of get that inside scoop. But and with that, um, that's right, and it's so easy to manipulate right. what to put words into the mouths of Putin and the Russians if you don't know the language. You know, we're gonna put a little snippet of oh, he wants total war and stuff, and then it's game over. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's the end. It's, uh, so, you, so you're saying that Putin is not uh, evil genius or something? <laughs> evil genius? No, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. But on a real note, though, we'll uh, just to give you guys background, we, we got together because... Um, Lately, the biggest thing in the news, well, in world history, really, is, is you know, the, the Ukraine-Russian conflict, which is obviously a proxy between NATO and Russia itself. Um, now, some people look at it as, like, not consequential, as, like, a minor, um, you know, I don't know, conflict imperial conflict but i think it's actually the way the opposite it's it signals the beginning of a new era of great power politics of uh, multipolarity um and many other things that actually have a lot of repercussions for us domestically i mean if you realize a lot of censorship that has happened since 2016 is hinged on putin being the evil mastermind <laughs> behind trump somehow 
And uh, so, anyway, without further ado, I kind of wanted to ask you a couple questions, Citizen, mm -hmm. um, and and your personal perspective, um, you know, without giving too much information, if you feel comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. Could you just give us some background as far as, you know, where you come from without, like, obviously giving specifics and your perspective overall on the Ukraine-Russia Oh, that's a loaded question, Lance. Uh, so, my background, I grew up in America. I consider myself an American. Uh, my parents moved me to Florida in 2000 to have a better life. And they timed it pretty well because afterwards 9-11 happened, and I'm sure it would have been a little more difficult to get over here. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I grew up speaking Russian in the household. I uh, went to first grade in the U.S. all the way up through college. And never been really a military enthusiast. I've never wanted to. But anyway, uh, I started following the news a little more and trying to understand what's going on when it started affecting my family on a personal level. It hurt a lot. I watched my stepbrother flee the country, almost get stuck in a gulag and stuff. So I was like, you know what? Let me, uh, let me read what the Russians are doing and what is actually going on, on the ground and stuff. And that's kind of... It, the work evolved from there. I was like, why don't I translate a little bit? And yeah, that's a little. That's pretty me. ingenious. That, that's pretty great. And I'm, you know, it's it's funny to me because uh, to, I mean, I think you consider yourself more of a, a liberal individual or a libertarian, correct? And uh, I think uh, obviously I'm of a different political bent. But the the idea here is that you know. Mm -hmm. To, to understand reality or real life, you have to be approaching people from different perspectives, from, you know, different worldviews. And I think that's something, ironically, what um, the liberal establishment doesn't understand is that they censor everyone they disagree with, which is continuously to be a larger share of humanity and um, effectively kind of ushering in a new era of censorship to the point where uh, people like myself and Citizen like we're usually in other times probably would would have butted heads but i think it, it's only brought us closer together but anyway that's without further ado you said that your your brother uh like had to escape the country do you mind if you just go into that in a little bit more detail and like what happened and what's the so we hear a lot about like putin doing a partial mobilization i've heard that mm -hmm. it was 350,000 officially, but uh, some people say on unofficial Telegram channels that's a million or a million and a half. What is your perspective? Mm -hmm. What is the reception amongst the Russian people from your family's perspective in Russia, if you don't mind me prying too deep? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, Lance. Um, the the partial mobilization, I think the, the, the Russians, or Putin specifically, the West kind of calls it Putin's war. It doesn't even call it Russia's war. Because it seems like he's, they're painting this picture of him, it says his battle, he wants to change the world order, blah, blah, blah. But the, the reality of it is, is that he's not going to, the president of Russia, Putin is not going to say, we're mobilizing everyone. You're just scared of a backlash. I mean, you don't want people to be scared. So, yeah, you're going to include things like partial mobilization and 
instead of saying it's a total war, we're going to call it a special military operation. There's a lot of little nuances to downplay just how significant this is. I mean, the whole country is mobilized. I mean, my uncle has nothing to do with the war. He's a civil engineer and travels across the country fixing stuff and plants and stuff. And, you know, I have my uncle dropping off supplies for military folks on the borders. Like, it's affecting every single citizen on the ground over there. Like, you have children in schools writing letters to all these soldiers en masse. Uh, indoctrination. They're... Um, I kind of veered a little bit off topic. Can you remind me what one of the questions was? It was like, what is the sentiment of the people? Right? I guess, yeah. It, like, do people... I, I suppose what I'm asking is, like, in the mm-hmm. West, people have this perception because they magnify, um, like, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, he's the kind of Russian political dissident that's like a shill for NATO. Alexander uh, Navalny. Is that who you're talking yeah. about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're saying that there's massive, you know, riots and, and protests against evil Putin and all this kind of stuff. What's what's the reality on the ground? Obviously, people dissent. People are, like, leaving the country. You know, like, this, this is well known. But, like, what is happening, you know, in reality? You know, what's the, what's the other aspect of this? Um... The aspect, so, I had an interesting question regarding this when I posed it to my uncle, because I wanted to end, I'm sure a lot of people wanted to end that are watching the events unfold, but I asked him, how do you feel, like, is this war going to end soon? What is the sentiment? Like, why aren't we going towards peace negotiations? Why aren't we talking to NATO? Why aren't we trying to fix it? Um, I haven't... I'm not really familiar with all the riots and stuff that are happening, and I'm sure they are. I would be rioting against the war, too. But um, it is Russia's duty to step on the gas and to knock out every last Ukrainian until they have time to reinforce. So it's um, it's full on the gas. The whole The whole economy is a wartime economy right now. And if... It's, it's like a time game. If Russia runs out of time, eventually its economy will collapse. But they're, like, they're pushing forward as hard as they can, and the population's like, all right, we're going for it. Like, straight up, we're going to try to level this country, and if it doesn't work, we all collapse. So it's like an all-in situation right now in Russia. And people are... Uh, I listened to this, too. It's like... In the West, when you oppress people, they riot. And when you take away all their stuff and they become poor, you know, things start happening. Like in Europe, you see mass protests and it's getting violent and stuff. Oh, in Russia, it happens in reverse. You oppress the people and you make them all poor. And culturally, we come together in times of war and in times of, like, great stress. Like our country, the people get... I'm not talking up the country, but like they get stronger. It's like we're we're also used to being poor that it makes us collectively better, and it's this weird dynamic that Russia's in where it's like we're all going in, and uh, we'll just see what happens. So I think the sentiment is the only way is forwards. Interesting. Okay. Great question. I didn't. 
Yeah, I, like, because, I mean, I think the human dynamic is, like, people think that the more you take away from people, the more, uh, how do you say, uh, riotous they become of, of the governing authority. And, of course, like, part of part of providing for your people is having, you know, food, shelter, etc., the whole thing. But um, I think that people don't understand that, Revolutions don't happen necessarily when people are starved. What was that? Revolutions when you don't happen people when say people think they could be happy. When people are starving, it happens when people are unsatisfied. Uh, they think they could have done better. It, like, like for instance, uh, when you start hearing people saying, "Oh, it, it like was better or can be better," like either under communism or fascism or whatever, like or you know NATO. If we were a liberal democracy, like you know uh, the EU, Russia would be amazing. That's the dangerous aspect, and um, regulating that speech, you know, censoring, which is the truth like the reality is that the internet has completely fucked um like non-american countries because what it does is is it's made a whole bunch of americans out of people like uh europe and, and stuff like that and the average person's an idiot okay the average person is closer to a cow than they ever been to a per it's interesting that you and have so like the thing this, is um... people often mm-hmm yeah, I think people often don't realize that they just believe what is the most popular uh, belief to be held at that time. Whatever is being signaled in the media, they believe it. But go ahead. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's absolutely the case. I think uh, it's just easier that way. I mean, it's like herd mentality is the safety mentality. Um, if I go against the grain so like what i've been doing is i've been translating russian news and blatantly posting on youtube like i'm sure google and the nsa like really don't enjoy it but they use they easily can use algorithms to suppress and prevent like it from like getting shared on social media and stuff like i'm pretty powerless when it comes to content creators they can create the best content in the world but it doesn't matter because you can't disseminate it and that's the power of big tech and the government. But, uh, I don't know why I, yeah, so, it's partially maybe the people, people are dumbed down, but also, it's easier to get dumbed down nowadays. You can have an algorithm feeding you exactly what you want. Why would you want the real, like, why would I want my feelings hurt after a work day by watching some Ukrainians get slaughtered, you know? Yeah, I you know I I see what you're saying, and there's this like magical time between you know the invention of the internet, and I would say 2017, 18, where really uh -huh. anything on YouTube went. <laughs> you could put. I remember seeing like in the Syrian really? civil war. You know, no, sh no you know, shit. And like people's brains and blood, like yeah, <laughs> and it just shows like how fucked everything has gotten because. I mean, they say they're about free speech, but what they mean is speech that agrees with them. You know what I mean? And it's never the right. other way around. And the the ironic thing is, like, just as you said, like, you know, if you were in Russia, you'd be, like, you know, protesting the government for the war and all that kind of stuff. But, like, which indicates that you're not necessarily a nationalist or something. You're, you're not, like, a, a right-wing person yourself. But, like, 
<laughs> you, you still are. <laughs> it's funny. You're still, even though you have those sympathies, you're still censored off the internet. And, right. Uh, can't win. <laughs> and, and, dude, you seriously can't win, man. And, like, I guess that's part of the, the issue that I've been trying to get around is provide people with that kind of. It makes it like this. Of a reality check. Uh, right. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. It makes it like this game that we're trying to play cat and mouse. Okay, you censor me, I'm going to try something else because there's also a lot of tools out there to avoid censorship. So it's always a. It's like armor and weapons. You keep upgrading your weapon, then now you need to upgrade your armor, and it's constantly going up and up and up. Yeah, seriously. It really is that, like, weapons race almost. I like that, you know, compar- comparison. But, you know, Thanks, I don't know, man. Like, it's just crazy to me. But right now what's happening um, in the biggest phase of the Ukrainian war is this battle for Bahamut, which, if I can give a background to the audience here, is mm-hmm. Bahamut is a, a minor town for most people on the on the web, and NATO keeps on saying unimportant, but that's patently not true. The importance of Bahamut is that it's a a logistical node, so basically all the railways in the Donetsk like Republic and major roadways go through there. So logistically speaking, it's important to seize, so that way you're able to quickly transport goods and material uh, through that artery and mm-hmm. to other places on the front line. So if you want to control Bahamut, what you do is you give yourself a logistical edge over the enemy. Now, like, the Ukrainians... I, I read something here also that at Bahamut, there's a 9 to 1 ratio of artillery where the Russians are focusing on shelling out the Ukrainians as opposed to doing man-for-man, like, uh, infantry tactics, which is what... The Ukrainians have been learning from the Americans, which is, you know, uh, what's mechanized. And we're back. I'm sorry, gentlemen. We had a uh, minor technical issue going on. Uh, the enemy was trying to jam our communications. So here we are back again talking about Bahmut. We're talking about there's a, a 9 to 1 artillery parity going on in, in Bahmut, which I don't know if you've seen. The videos coming out of there but it's like the ukrainians are like continuously for days on end being shelled and i don't know if you've ever been shelled but it's even (laughs) if you're not near it or you've been like fragmented on uh, the concussion itself can cause uh internal bleeding and uh brain damage and all this kind of other stuff and Basically, the guys that are there are getting fucked up. Like, so it doesn't bad. have to be a direct shot. Nope, you just get concussed from continuous just waves of concussions. Yeah, that sounds like hell. It's terrible, man. It's it's pretty intense. And anyway, but um, like, so what about it, move? So, as far as what do you mean? What do you mean? What about it? Why is it so essential in this war effort? So, like like I was saying before, it's a small town and it's a node for um, logistics, and it goes through all the different um, rail lines and and, you know, highways, which feed you know, the frontline units. Um, Interesting. I didn't know that. The also... Also, the other issue, obviously, is that it's within Donetsk, so technically it's within Russia, you know what I mean? And it's necessary to retake 
um, territory, which is Russian, uh, for the sake of the, um, what do you call the Russian people's, like, you know, positive perspective. So it's a morale victory as well. It's a political, it's a, you know, military, logistical one. It, it has a huge, you know, set of importance. Um, also, it's a huge morale victory for the Russian troops if they are able to do it without the um, added reinforcements, which are supposed to be trained up around mm-hmm. now or January for a winter offensive. You know what they're calling those new territories? Uh, Novorossiya, right? Yeah, yeah, it means new Russia. I like that. I think it's interesting because um, there's history of uh, Belgorod. No, not Belgorod. It was um, the Donbass. There was like a, a city in the Donbass where before uh, the Tsar back in the day had colonized it in the 1800s, it was basically just grassland, pastoral grassland, where the Khazars used to hang out. And hmm. uh, they that's when they started calling it Novorossiya, the area, New Russia. Interesting. And I just... I thought that was so interesting, and people didn't know that, and I was like, wow. What? Connecting the dots from history. It's impressive, because there's a lot of... Yep, maybe, maybe there's a lot of historical that. precedent. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, let's see here. Um, but I, I don't know. What I wanted to ask you, though, is how, how many people of your family are supportive of the war effort, and how many are against if you don't mind me asking. Um, it's off limits. The conversation topic. Um, sometimes I'll poke and ask my uncle, and I only listen. I don't I don't have, like, a, we don't side. We don't say they have to win, they have to lose. Like, we're very pacifist when we communicate regarding the war. So um, I think deep down we want our country to win deep down and there's a mutual understanding of as a nation we have to hold it together um, mm-hmm. so definitely we're all pro we have to win I, I think but we don't I we don't talk about it if that makes sense yeah do you so if you don't mind <laughs> me asking very personal questions because I, I know it's probably a sore spot or maybe it's just like sensitive s- subject but um, oh, in man. Russia, yeah, yeah. For in Russia, just for background, uh, people don't have like the same um, and uh, admiration for military f- folks. Like they think like you're kind of a loser if you go into the military. Whereas in America, it's the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And I assume it has a lot to play. It used to be that way. And so I guess uh, what I'm asking you is like, uh, it, I mean. Is there a reason why your brother, like, isn't necessarily serving? Or, you know, i just curious. Um, I think he just got scared, man. On a personal level, he... Uh, I don't know if I would have acted the same way or if I would have joined. Maybe I would have been like, I want to help the effort in a different way or something like that. Um, I think he just wasn't prepared. He didn't have any military experience, and he got scared. And he found a different way so he still works for a russian bank so they still probably tax him he still supports the economy <clears throat> but yeah i just think he got scared bro um of course he had a job i, I mean that's he was very hard and he's got a wife a ter- and yeah and all that 
That's so. a very human perspective. Like I was just wondering if he did it out of out of conviction or out of personal, you know, uh, considerations. You know, it might have been a more base level. I mean, because like, uh, I hear sometimes it's like fight or flight response. You know, mm -hmm. I think his body chose flight. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. No, it, it's interesting because a lot of people are saying that they're leaving for. Um, you know, for idealistic reasons, like they don't support mm -hmm. the war or I something, see. and and then some yeah. people are saying, are, I think, are being more honest, and and frankly, uh, let me just say this part: it, it might be the five-minute part, but modern warfare, people look at World War One and they're like, "Wow, that's scary, dude! You don't know scary." So we haven't actually had a conventional conflict. Uh, at least the United States or a major one, I would say since at least fuck the Vietnam War, where there are actually NDA line units. Because we just like, bomb We just bomb everything <laughs> and call it a day. Yeah, it's counterinsurgency, like fighting the Taliban or something. But like yeah. this is this is two advanced mechanized units fighting each other. And it's not like Armenia versus Azerbaijan. It's Russia versus Ukraine, who is supported NATO. by the entirety of NATO. <laughs> yeah, and and so, and, and with like foreign mercenaries who are battle hardened, you know, <laughs> you know, professional units. Um, you have intelligence units, uh, signals intelligence from CIA. You have, you know, you have all this stuff, the logistical supply lines, which we're seeing is being compromised because America thought it was a good idea to buy everything from China and then didn't realize that China doesn't really like Russia losing. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck, we don't have any artillery or places to make our fucking munitions, right? right? Got to find a poor NATO country to do it for them. Dude, exactly. And uh, so I guess... I guess what I'm trying to say is if, if you guys ever look at videos that are not propaganda of one side or the other, there's artillery barrages that are so accurate. Russian artillery is so accurate. They can literally land a mortar shell within a, a tire, like a rubber tire from Six a mile away. away. Yeah. Six kilometers away. I've been watching videos of their artillery doing that work. It's crazy. And you hear, you hear like uh, NATO disparaging. This is called a smart munition for artillery shells, and like the NATO units are saying that, oh, that's bullshit. It's just propaganda. It's not propaganda at all. It's actually real. Uh, the United States is capable of doing it since the 80s, and obviously Russia had to do it later. But there, even small countries like Azerbaijan is capable of doing that. It's a capability of everyone. But the most, I think, terrifying thing is is literally the the uavs it's the lancets is the like guided munition it's the drones dropping grenades i saw this like guy that had three grenades dropped on him and he he like managed you know russians russian dude to like you know throw away it all you know yeah it looked so fucking that was a crazy video fight for survival like a grenade getting dropped from above and you can't even see the drone dude that's nightmarish Dude, it's it's dystopic as fuck because things are gonna get only worse from here. Um, because is it ten thousand drones from Syria? I don't know if you noticed this, <sighs> dude. Yeah, and and Iran as well. Oh, um, it was I from think Iran. things. You're right. Yeah, 
yeah, Syria is too busy handling its own shit right now. But anyway, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, what's from, you know, because, you know, if I'll be honest with you, like, obviously I'm more into military stuff than you are. What does the average, like, person see this as? Is it, like, horrible? <laughs> is it, like, a horror show? Um, in, in, like, the sentiment? In, like, how the yeah. country feels? Yeah. Um... Because I feel like it's watching a massive pile up with like hundreds of dead bodies, like and it's just like because Ukrainians aren't really like Ukrainian is like a made up ethnicity, right? And it's like they're really Russians. They all majority speak Russian. They were part of the same country. You know what I mean? I, I it's just yeah. so interesting to me to hear this. I don't know, like this hate between people that should be in like. Should, there's a complete disconnect between the brothers, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. The, it, it's gotten to the point where there's a... Um, I think there's a disconnect in the in the eyes of the populace of Russia. There's a disconnect of... They're not killing Ukrainians. They're fucking up NATO. I'm sorry for my language, but... Yeah. They're... The, um, uh-huh. the offensive has begun. The the shift um, now is the time to gain land now is the time to expand now is the time to go forwards and that's the sentiment we're going to take back what's ours and now is the time to do it while NATO is weak they don't have the capability to produce the munitions to supply Ukraine um they're starting to talk like there's a split in our U.S. government right now talking about why the hell are we sending so much money to Ukraine right now? They're obviously destroying all of our equipment in billions of dollars and funneling that money God knows where. Like some random statistic I've read was only 10% of all of that money is going through the Ukrainian military. Like 90% is getting like mm-hmm. robbed or funneled back into the Democratic Party, which is sending it there to begin with, <clears throat> like a giant laundromat. Yeah, and it, it is a lo- it has been that way, and uh, I can't talk about this on YouTube, but we'll talk about this online, mm-hmm. like offline, but there is a very connected, like the, there's certain contents from a laptop, let's say that indicate that this relationship has been happening since literally 1988. Wow. Even before the fall of the Soviet Union, Ukraine was used as a base of operations for laundering money through the CIA. Um, Additionally, people don't know this, but Ukraine is actually one of the world's premier sources of of uh, miners depicted doing sexual acts. Um, and they they allow that, of course, and you know, a whole bunch of a whole slew of disgusting and terrible things. Hmm. Um, the war on uh, quote unquote terror, right? But it's just really people. Like if you read the Afghan war, and you realize that, for instance, they never tell you that. You know why? How the Taliban came about? The Taliban came about because it was a bunch of Muslim dudes that got sick and tired of this this like practice called Bahabazi, which is, you know, banging little little boys, um, which is what the uh, communists and Dude, secularist so people crazy, in Afghanistan man. do, which is who we allied, that's, that's who we allied, the United States allied with against the Taliban. 
we're literally fighting for very terrible people. And I think a lot of veterans I speak to, I have a friend who was a veteran of the Afghan war. He did four tours, not three or two, four mm-hmm. tours with the army. And he talks about his experiences with the ANA and with uh, the Northern Alliance and how they're a bunch I can't even say the word because you get you get censored off of YouTube, but it's a, it's a bunch of bad things they've done, and of course, like we look the other way, or the average person is too dumb to like to confront obviously just, bad things. They're not dumb. And, I just uh, think it's that very the sad, frankly. Is suppressed. You, you have this. I feel like you talk about people like they're dumb, but a lot of the information just doesn't get out. So like. A lot of the stuff that you're saying right now, I didn't know about either because I didn't know where to look or I didn't know that information was out there. Uh, I think it's... Well, maybe you're right. I'm, I'm autistically fixated on many things, and so for things for me that seem obvious are probably very, I would say, like, uh, sometimes you know, out know. of the way. Yeah. Yeah, because you dug it up. Not a lot of people know how to or where to look. Which yeah, isn't... not many people are uh, unhealthy like myself and spend their extra time going through declassified um, CIA documents. But this is why we're doing this podcast and you're sharing this info with me. It's incredible. Dude, that's yeah, crazy. Precisely. I didn't know about precisely. this relationship. I'm glad that you're something. here, dude. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, dude. Dude, absolutely. 88, by the way. And uh, it happened wow. because of Khrushchev. Uh, the Khrushchev era was, you know, um, basically he was a Ukrainian and he was super incompetent. He's part of the reason why criminality and the mafias took so much power, even during the Soviet Union, why the economy was collapsing, mm, etc. Liberalization of uh, the country, you know. It, Let's sell out all our stuff. Well, it's yeah, get raped. Dude. And it's just terrible. It's terrible. But, but the thing is, this goes way back. And the the serious thing is, though, that the people of Russia and the people of the United States share a common enemy, and that is this corrupt, you know, oligarch elite that control the media and they control the banks and they control pretty much everything else. And um, I'm glad that people are starting to wake up and, you know, ad- admit it personally. Um, I'm I'm very happy about that, but there's still a long way to go, you know. Absolutely. Because the, the other thing becomes, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. First part's knowing it. Second part is now. <coughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, let's see here. <laughs> you okay? This one we're football and stuff. Like all these distractions to make sure that we're not really in in line with what's going on. It's insane, dude. It's just fucking insane. And um, let's see here. As we continue, let's see. Ah, and I kind of wanted to talk about not just the word effort itself, but, you know, there's a lot of talk. I don't know if you heard about this, but the assassination mm-hmm. or the attempted assassination of Alexander Dugan and ended up killing his daughter. Do you do you hear about this? Oh, my gosh. Um, remind me who Dugan is. That's yeah. crazy. I, I feel like he's an so, important figure. Dugan, I recognize his name, but I uh-huh. do not recall who he is in Russia's government or who is he. So, Alexander Dugan's actually an <coughs> ideologue. 
Um, he is the guy that oh. invented this thing called the fourth political theory. Um, and it's kind of it's 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 essentially fascism without the emphasis on race. It's ethnicity, and um, he believes in Eurasianism. But even the way that you're you're who are a Russian speaker and you read Russian news, he's an insignificant figure. Like people don't fucking know him. But the liberal media in the West is using him as a Rasputin figure, as like the <laughs> guy behind Putin's mind. People just need something to you know, and the reality is that it could be further. They need an evil boogeyman, and you know, Dugan has a long beard, and like he looks like Rasputin a little bit, and like, you, you know what I mean? People play have like petty, petty superstitions, but I guess you kind of answered your question, my question, in a roundabout hmm. way because you know you don't even know who who the hell Dugan is, and I think the reality is that most Russians don't. So you and were that saying that Russians have a different perspective on what Russia stands for. Yep, <laughs> it was a car bomb planted by the Ukrainian government um, with information given by the CIA. But essentially, what happened was uh, the yeah, uh, what happened was uh, the wrong person used the car, and it ended up being his daughter that was dead and some friends or That's something. Horrible. Yeah, it's wow. terrible. It's it's a car it's bomb. A, it's, it, it's a threatening it's like, message. It's like you're not safe. I think that's it. It sends a message like we're gonna keep fucking with you. Like the sentimentality is like you're not safe. That's why they do it. So the CIA actually has a very clear track record of doing exactly what you said, which is they don't kill the person it, themselves because what happens is you make a martyr out of them. However, they kill people that are special to the individuals around them to undermine their confidence or to turn them. And there's actually Whoa. this. Yeah, there's a number of American figures whose children or whomever, family members, died in a quote-unquote tragic car accident, you know, like in this awful way. And uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but basically that's exactly what happened. And obviously the CIA is a, you know, know, it's a liberal institution. You know what I mean? And so... It's it's crazy, and obviously there's always probable uh, deniability. Like you know, you can't really say it's them. But if if you are able to in, inductively reason, you know that it's them, but you can't prove it. You know, without with certainty. Yeah. Those covert operation tactics that they train people on how to be elusive and an, and an asshole at the same time. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> For real, like you're not even lying, bro. Like it's fucking true, and it's just so. It must be nice to be above the know. law when you get up to those levels. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so. Like I don't know. I uh, I'm, I'm just not even gonna go into it. But that's pretty funny. You know, I think people overestimate the capability of of you know the U.S. government. And myself having been in the U.S. military and, you know, you obviously having exposure to certain state governments and federal governments, like, people don't realize how ineffective the U.S. government is. You know what I mean? And uh, it's just really funny because people don't, they feel like, they feel like they're lost because they feel like they can't, like, do anything about it. But if you knew how incompetent they were, 
and if you are motivated, you can change policy. You can you can make your effect known, and that's part of the the emphasis here is that people that are patriotic or just honestly just good people that are sick of seeing uh, evil things done to minors, done to people that haven't lifted a finger against us uh, in the name of this or that ideal that have manipulated us. They are the ones that need to be, um, you know, liquidated. It's not the good guys. And like I said here before, my buddy here, Model Citizen, he and I don't share the same political aspirations or personal aspirations. He and I, like, we probably disagree on a lot philosophically, but at the end of the day, like, we're both people. Absolutely. And we both have basic mores. And I think that's what it comes down to in Ukraine is, is, a, is a sense of basic, you know, humanity. Like, the, 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 there's clearly one side in the right and there's one side in the wrong. And it, it's just terrible to me to see from afar. You know what I mean? But that's just my little take on this kind of thing. Ugh. But a- anyway, but do you have any... Uh, like uh, family members that fought in the Chechen wars? Not that I'm aware of. I may have distant relatives. No idea. Interesting. Interesting. That'd be an interesting thing to look up, actually. Because I, I spoke with a number of different um, individuals who are veterans of specifically the Second Chechen War, which is obviously Russia's successful uh, experience. But the irritating thing to them when they talk to me about. The, the Russian war in the Ukraine is like it's almost as though the Russians didn't learn anything from Chechnya being underprepared <laughs> being too cavalier yeah. too 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 bold too too confident you know what I mean imprudent yeah. uh, corruption um, all this kind of stuff has like severely handicapped the Russian war effort caused unnecessary deaths and by the way the death toll is insane like both sides are understating the amount of men that have died but oh, realistic, yeah, the realistic, um, like, also, casualty ratings. Goes according to, my bad. Go, <clears throat> go ahead. Say, war never goes according to plan, my friend. You know, prepare all the time in the, in the world for a war, and something's going to give. It's like, you can't prepare for everything. Like, oh, oh all course. my munitions were blown up, and then now you got to manufacture all of it. Like... I just feel like so many things can go wrong. But, yeah, they, like, waltzed in there thinking that they're going to take Ukraine and they're just going to surrender, and it didn't happen that way. I mean, it wasn't like... I mean, Putin should have done that when the uh, 2011 crisis happened at first. He shouldn't have done right. it, wait, you know, waited so long, because now well, was, they're organizing the train. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. And then, right, when Ukraine was training, he waited so long to mobilize. Yeah, eight years is a long time, dude, you know? Eight years is time for people to be, like, brainwashed, like if Ukrainians are right now. Yeah, Yeah, to do the dirty bidding of someone else. And it's just really sad because it's not like the Ukrainian people are evil or something. It's like... just right on the border. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a brotherly nation. It's like... uh, there was a story I really liked. It was like there were two brothers, and there was one younger brother, one older brother, and sometimes they fought, but they always made up and they lived in a home together. And then one brother 
started doing, the little brother started hanging out with the wrong crowd. He got addicted to drugs. Started, like, fucking up the big brother who's, like, paying the bills and stuff. And they get into a fight. And it's, like a, like, a really bad fight. And whatever. It's an analogy between Russia and Ukraine. It's, like, there's the big bro and the little bro's getting messed with by, like, massive amounts of money getting, like, pumped in there and they're screwed with. And now the whole point is, like, Big Brother's like, I'm going to wipe out all this bullshit that's happening right at the border. Like, you guys are really poor and getting taken advantage of. We're going to eliminate, like, NATO and all this evil crap. That's, the pers- that's, like, how I see it. And I think a lot of, like, maybe Russians see it that way, too, where it's like, um, uh, I went off on a tangent, but, yeah. Um, that analogy really stuck to me, like, because it was like family fighting and stuff because that's what it is I mean they're both Slavic people like brothers sisters and stuff yeah it's so sad I mean it's just it reminds me of the American Civil War in a lot of ways because it's like you know these people are very close to each other they're I mean Ukrainians used to be in the same literally the same country for the majority of their existence it's getting flamed up because printed money is buying weapons and stuff right at the borders and pumped into there like it's like it's not their choice anymore and it hasn't been for a long time like Mm -hmm. the Russians don't see themselves as fighting Ukrainians it's like we're fighting NATO but they're using Ukrainians to fight and it's like it's completely despicable really Um, you know what's interesting that happened to me in my personal life what's up so obviously I'm a veteran and um, basically um, there are like troops that are sent there that are actually mercenaries they're like Wagner but for Americans right like Blackwater or something like that mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've seen this but a lot of Americans are dying um, in the Ukraine interesting I didn't know that As like how many stand. and numbers actually had like I think it was roughly 3,000 uh, KIA from four nations, so mostly Poland and like uh, near like Czechoslovakia, but a lot oh. of American, like I think it was like a hundred or so American uh, individuals dying, actually in the Ukraine, and uh, so many of them are dying that actually um, a lot of these recruiting agencies from mercenary groups are reaching out to individuals such as myself. I got a call um, asking if really? I'd like to like you know, get a certain contract for, for six, yeah, for six months and effectively, you know, basically whatever, you know what I mean? They offer you, I think my salary was a hundred thousand dollars to go, but of course there's no death policy. So I only get that money if I survive six months and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so that's pretty obvious that they're banking on you dying. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like my favorite word recently. Dude, I, no fucking thank you, bro. Like, fuck that. Dude, you know? You, yeah, you don't, you don't get paid up front. You only get paid when you get back. Or do you get paid throughout the... Um, I believe you get paid throughout. You get paid throughout, and then, from what I understood, I didn't even go too far into the interview process. I was just, like, listening to see what, what would happen. You know what I mean? But, like, I think it sounds like you... 
paid in installments, and if you don't survive for the majority of the payment, then what they do is they just consider the contract null, and you keep whatever money you earn until your death, which is kind of, like, weird. It's, I mean, it's... No payment for your death It's insurance. kind of funny how America... America... Yeah, it's funny how America uh, wages war. It's just like how it does its business. So it, it you know, strips out all of its... Uh, you know, economy to a foreign country. Your stuff is made in in China. Well, your dying is made in Ukraine. So you get Ukrainian guys <laughs> yeah. dying for you. You know, instead of yourself, Dude. which is really sad. Like to say, I mean, it's really sad. Honestly, that's the truth. It's it's fucking sad. But I don't think that's funny. That's but nuts. It's just like what happens when you print terrible. Money. It's if you can print money, you can just say, hey, I'm gonna print a couple billion dollars and just create things out of thin air in other countries. That's what happens when you have a printing press called the Federal Reserve. Yep, yep. International banking, man. It's true. But anyway, I think uh, so far we've had a good uh, give and take here at the War Room. This is our first one, and as time goes on, we will indeed uh, be dissecting things as they happen. Um, thank you so much, Model Citizen, for coming on, brother. Uh, we're going to be yeah, talking you. about things in the future. We're going to, yeah, absolutely, and we're going to be like discussing this in depth at some point uh, but for now let's uh, sign off this is General Lance this is uh, Model Citizen and this is the War Room thank you it's been a pleasure